Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all work out who has the better taste. Spoiler alert, it's me, I'm Hugh Dempsey. I'm joined as always by Sam Blakely. Hi Sam. Hi Hugh. How are you doing? I've made a mistake. What, by starting a podcast with a friend of 22 years? Well, for the first time... Uh, probably ever we're doing our second episode of a podcast today and normally i drink during a podcast episode but but you i've already been drinking so now you're absolutely <laughs> pissed out your face so <laughs> i might be uninhibited do you want to do you want to tell while i have a little, little swig do you want to tell the listener about the little podcast we were just doing well youtube i suppose thing both isn't it yeah we've just been on the uh we just done the record for the Awfully Irish podcast. Uh, Good lads. Uh, yeah, a bunch a bunch of lads. Away the lads. <laughs> and I think you'll agree, I never at one point did the voice. You t- No, but you did say, oh, I've had great crack at the end. Which It was the last thing I said which, before I could leave the call. <laughs> makes me think, after years of saying it myself, it just sounds wrong when an English accent says it. Because <laughs> it, there's no I in it when an English person is saying it. It's, it's just crack, yeah. like crack. Just, just, just sounds like you've been doing drugs together. Having yeah. the crack. Yeah, so you can find them, uh, the Awfully Irish podcast, they're on YouTube, they're on... <laughs> Top lads, stuff. we'll get them on... They're, up, they're going to upload our episode pretty soon, yeah. Hopefully we'll get one of them or two or three of them on and uh, do some sort of film. One of them said they hadn't seen The Godfather, so maybe we could branch out and recommend right. films that we've both seen to other people. I want to do that with Ben one day. I think that'd be a good episode. <laughs> good luck finding one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be hard, won't it? But yeah, yeah. How, how have you been? How's how, it's been good. Have you been enjoying yeah. those in the summertime when the weather is fine? It's been Stifling. Uh, I've had lovely days uh, sat in front of a fan, um, walking around London, really just enjoying myself, going to the cinema and watching Shawshank Redemption. Nice. Uh, so it's not been bad at all. Yeah. What have you been? I mean, and, and apologies to the listener, it's really totally my fault we had a week off because I was in London. How dare you have like a social life, Sam? I didn't think about contingencies, I didn't have anything in, in you know, yeah. up the sleeve. So sorry, sorry about that. Everyone deserves uh, a summer holiday. How have you spent the two weeks here? Um, well, today I ate some ice cream from a Mr. Whippy, which was amazing, <laughs> I must admit. A personal highlight. I, it was, yeah. I feel like I maybe probably do have coronavirus now. I mean, I did. the ice cream van did come around in about May. <laughs> and I was, and I was uh, speaking to a friend on the phone at the time, and I was like, well, that's literally a mobile COVID uh, unit <laughs> to infect people. But. So you've been keeping the ice cream this long. <laughs> yeah, it's been in the You've got to cream yeah. yeah. Speaking of um, stifling heat. Yeah, good segue. Um, oh, getting good at this, aren't you? Mm, yeah. 55 episodes. I know, look at you. Aren't you special? So yeah, Here so today we're going to do the classic David Lean directed film, Lawrence of Arabia, which, as you can imagine, given how warm it is, made put us in perfect... Um, I'm glad we planned it. Perfect, I'm yeah, glad we planned it. Yeah, it, was like <laughs> being in, it was like being in Arabia and Jordan and all these ridiculously Morocco, warm places. Yeah, mm. it's a film I've recommended to you, Sam, isn't it? Um, it's a real uh, proper staple of our podcast it's a massive film well known definitely should have watched it by now uh, never did now I have to because you told me to <laughs> yeah I forced you into it yeah even though we then realised there were probably shorter shorter <laughs> films available this is why we had a two week break I'll be honest <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was took, a four hour yeah, film he watched, uh, including him... a four minute operatic um, beginning with no visuals yeah um, I, that threw me off today when I watched it I was like, <laughs> when when did you first watch this, Hugh? So I first saw it actually 
on, I think it was like a Sunday afternoon. Um, I didn't need to know the actual day of the week. Yeah, it was a Sunday afternoon about, sort of age. about 1 p.m. Yeah, I just remember <laughs> watching, yeah, it was about 14, I think. It was on <laughs> Channel 5 over here. And yeah, it was on from like 1 till 6 o'clock or something. And I, I don't remember what I was doing. I don't even remember what like time of the year it was. Almost certainly masturbating, let's face I it. I mean, 14. it was 1am. <laughs> it was 1pm, it was. Oh, was like, yeah, I don't well, think... still, probably masturbating. <laughs> yeah, you know, a good 12 hours gap there between masturbations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I thought, I, I don't know, I was just, I, I was probably supposed to be doing homework, I guess. So I would have been sat at my, I had a desk in my bedroom as a kid growing up, which was kind of cool because I could sit and just, I used to just sit and kind of hang out at my desk and like swing on mm. my chair and watch TV instead of L- doing my homework. Little rich boy. Rich boy with his own desk. Yeah, sorry to show off. And, <laughs> you know, not living in abject poverty. <laughs> um, yeah, so I saw it. Um, I, I, the first time I saw it, I didn't... It's one of those, because it was made in the 60s and I think this was in like, probably like 2004 when I saw it, maybe. I don't think I understood how, why it was so great. I just knew I'd seen something that people liked. Mm. And then I think I saw it about four or five years later, maybe, again, and kind of got it the second time round and kind of understood what made it so appealing and why, you know, famous people like Steven Spielberg love it so much. Um, mm. Yeah, I definitely... Yeah, it's you can see why people like it so much because it's such a it's a very unique film I think in many ways and it's it's kind of a film almost of a bygone era. I think it's the first film if I'm right in saying of an actual like we've done sort of films set in certain historical periods but nothing that's an actual biopic of a sense. Mm. Um No, maybe not. That yeah, has maybe not. so there's like there's a real person who had a real like, I suppose Tony Wilson in, in the 24 Hour Party People to some extent. You know what? You're damn right, yeah. So I'd be wrong. Yeah, it's a second biopic. And do you know what struck me watching this film is it's now nearly 60 years since this came out and it's set 45, 47 years prior to the film coming out. It's actually closer to yeah. when it's set to now, which is utterly mind-blowing because yeah. Peter O'Toole only died you know seven years ago or something like that yeah uh, and there's members of the cast who are still alive mm. and yet yeah it was closer to 1915 than it is to now yeah that's yeah that's a fair point actually I never even never even crossed my mind that uh, mm. that I mean I don't know what that that says about it you know it's enduring I guess it says nothing at all just says that we're quite a while away <laughs> it was a long film old film yeah and almost everyone's dead from it so I'll give you would you like a quick synopsis and I say quick because it's going to be quick yeah give us the absolute bullet points whilst the, the plot isn't complicated it is because it's such a long film a lot happens so essentially mm. what happens is T. Lawrence he's a intelligence officer in the British Army during the First World War serving in Cairo uh, making maps and certain things um, he'd been a he was a history graduate from Oxford I think it was and had been sent over there you know when he enlisted not long after the war started and was sent over because of his expert knowledge and things like that and essentially he's sent to support well, he's actually originally he's sent to to uh, appraise the situation of an, the Arab revolt that's happening because at this time the Arabia and the Levant um, and Syria they're all under Ottoman Turkish rule uh, 
and had been for some time, for many, probably hundreds of years at this point. And so the Arabs are an oppressed people. They're wanting their own freedom, but you know they're they're fractured into different tribes and into different groups of people, and that's very much at the heart. You know, there's some definitely some of that tension is in this film, and you see there's a very powerful scene in the film where. Lawrence has to execute a man because he's killed another man uh, from a different tribe. So yeah, so he goes to, um, he's basically been sent to go uh, work, or to understand the motives of a man called Prince Faisal, who's played... Who famously is a white man just with a good tan. Yeah, it's Alec. In real life. It's Alec Guinness, <laughs> yeah, who plays Prince Faisal. Now, I think he's very good in this, do you know what I mean? If I didn't know who Alec Guinness was, and if I wasn't sat there going, why is Obi-Wan Kenobi blacked up? I would have uh, <laughs> definitely been, oh yeah, that guy's Middle Eastern, perhaps maybe. You know, I made a little note, I was going to mention this early, uh, later, but um, it makes sense to, to... I was just. I was going to tell you some of the character names, and then the names of the actors who played them. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> So yes, we, of course we have a um, uh, Prince Faisal played by Alec Guinness, Auda Abu Tai, played by that. Anthony Quinn, <laughs> yeah. Farage played by Michael Ray, nice, and Daoud played by John Dimek. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, you know, and there's a little bit of uh, whitewashing, but it was before that was a problem, I think. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's of its time, isn't it? Um, you know, Omar Sharif's in it. You know, he's Egyptian, mm. so you know. Not a million, you know, he's... Not far off. You know, probably Arab in descent, potentially. I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, he's in this. He's brilliant in this, I always thought. Um, the, he plays uh, Sheriff Ali. Um, it probably is the film that you most associate Omar Sharif with, if you hear that name. Yeah, that or maybe Dr. Shivago. He's also in that, mm, isn't he? Yeah, true, true. Yeah, which is also another David Lean film. So anyway, so he sent... So Lawrence is sent to appraise what's happening in Arabia with the Bedouin Arabs and these tribes and to see what um, Prince Faisal's plan is, what he's wanting to do. And because the British are wanting to kind of support the Arabs against the Ottomans, so the Ottomans are at best distracted by um, by what what is happening in Arabia. So they with they take troops out of like more important areas to to deal with the Arab revolt essentially. I mean T. Lawrence himself called it a sideshow of a sideshow, um, essentially. So, which is which is a line in the film, actually. Yes, it is indeed. And so, yeah, so it goes, so it kind of follow you follow uh, Lawrence's journey from. He's basically he's a bit of an outcast inside his own kind of social group. He's not the most he he's quite flamboyant, but he's also quite reserved. He, he's got, there's something I always think of. There's some very sphinx-like in um, Peter O'Toole's performance. You never quite truly know what Lawrence is thinking or what he's mm-hmm. wanting to do, what his motives are. Now, I think he's a very active character. I think that's very important. You know, he's the one who comes up with a plan to attack Aqaba and he's wanting to drive them to Damascus when he's asked to go back out there. Um, you know, he's, he says he infiltrates... Um, when there's only 20 men in the winter time in actual in his like uh, insurgency force so you know he's a very active character so yeah so it, the film follows him through through this Arab revolt campaign and him uh, essentially ingratiating himself with uh, Prince Faisal and fighting against the Ottoman Turks and then they they take Damascus um, and it kind of starts with sort of the Arabs 
realising there's been an agreement between the British and the French to split up Syria and the Levant and Palestine and all this. And yeah, he kind of just... It, it ends quite abruptly. There's no, like, cherry on the top ending. Like, there's no sort of... And we won the war. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it very much was, okay, yeah, Lawrence has done all these things, but he's he's a problem now for both sides because he's very... You know, the Arabs are worried about, well, is he trying to... You know, is he potentially trying to build his own power base because he's, he's that popular that he could convincingly make... He could almost... You know, he's that he's that revered that he could have just set up shop on his own and had his own army you know what I mean that's crazy how that the film portrays Lawrence's celebrity in it I guess um yeah and that's and that's it isn't it really that's kind of the storyline there's that's the five minute synopsis what is it that makes this uh, let's say either just something that's known worldwide as a absolute classic or maybe to make it more personal what is it that you love about this film it's just an epic film isn't it you know when you hear the word mm. epic you think of like Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments you know <laughs> or uh, Ben-Hur or something like that um, but you also think Lawrence of Arabia it's one mm. of those where that theme tune that uh, the composer uh, Maurice Jar wrote for this you know, anytime you see any sort of desert landscape in any film, that Lawrence of Arabia theme tune just suddenly plays in the back of your head. You can't. It, you can, you can't you can hear a real influence in John Williams. I think the Star Wars sort of themes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it was. I mean, that it, orchestral thing it was what. There's like only about fifteen years difference between the two films. Isn't there? <laughs> it's mad that. Yeah, and it's and it whilst and whilst it's kind of over the top, it's always. It's grounded in as much reality as a filmmaker in the 60s could give it. Do you know what mm. I mean? There's no... You know, he doesn't do anything remarkable. He just... It just tells you what happened, and this is how it happened. It's He's almost like a hero before there was, like, superheroes. You know, when he puts... When he <laughs> finally get When, um, when uh, Sheriff Ali burns his British uniform, he mm. just... He puts on the... He puts on the Bedouin outfit, and... You know he's dancing around, isn't he? Because he's so he's so delighted with himself that all these things have happened to him, and you know mm. these. This is what sort of you know he's he's kind of almost found his people. Do you know what I mean? He took him when he's saying salam, salam. Yeah, it's like when he you know it took him to go a thousand miles from home to find somewhere he fitted in. And I think is it fair to call this maybe um, Colonel Kurtz of Arabia, um... <laughs> a prequel to Apocalypse Now? Someone going native and forgetting his sort of, yeah. you know, I mean, background. I mean, I think I'll ask you it more when in your mm. when we when you talk about the film. You know, does he go native? In my opinion, yes, he does. But does he does he go Colonel Kurtz cra- crazy? No, he doesn't. <laughs> he's very. So he's not irretrievable. Yeah, I think if you were to if they were to remake this film now there would be a lot more of the psychological exploration towards the character. And in this, mm. he's just kind of going, I don't want to go mad. <laughs> because On that, if you were to cast this film now, who would you cast as Lawrence? I've no idea. Some I've never really thought about it. I don't think it's ever a film that's ever going to get made, so it's not something I've kind of <laughs> bothered me time with. Um, 
Well, they took somebody who was relatively unknown, didn't they, to play Lawrence? I mean, he's Arabia. in the credits as introducing Peter O'Toole. It's yeah. only like his third film, I think, third or fourth feature film. Yeah, so he's not, he wasn't that famous at the time, was he? This made him famous, and quite frankly, he never made a better film, sadly. Uh, Have you seen many other Peter O'Toole films? He's, he's very much in a, in a band of English actors, so I just... Alec Guinness is similar, and you know a bunch of others like that. Richard Harris, yeah, I, who I've not seen much of. I'll be honest, I haven't really seen many where he's like the star of the film. I know he. What was the other film that he was in that was very famous? Um, oh, what was it called? It's on the tip of my tongue. I'll tell you now. Just give me two seconds. Uh, the <laughs> Line in Winter, where he plays Henry the right. Second. That's apparently a, a famous film, but I don't know if it's something. I weird. can genuinely ever think of one more film appearance and it's uh, Stephen Fry's directorial debut Bright Young Things well um, yeah which interestingly enough uh, just harking back to something you said in a previous podcast we did earlier uh, basically discovered Chris McAvoy uh, James McAvoy sorry and uh, David Tennant and a bunch of others and had a very and a fairly old Peter O'Toole as well in a, in a small character role I know he played King Priam in Troy the 2004 film right which I mean, he was clearly very elegant performer. Do you know what I mean? There was a there's an air of. I mean, I was thinking this when you watch this film. There's an air of royalty almost about them, isn't there? He kind of he kind of he's, he's Oxfordshire clipped. Yeah, you know, he's made for the army, but not as a foot soldier kind of. Yeah, thing. and that brings me to the next thing I like about this film. It is a great performance from him. You know, I, I mentioned earlier he's sphinx-like. He's just he's behind those piercing blue eyes. You just don't know what. What's going to what he's going to do next, or how he's going to be received next? Um, mm. Yeah, and I just, I mean, one thing that people like about this film, and something I like, is one of the characters of this film is the desert. The desert mm. is a living, breathing manifestation of almost I don't know. You could say the the Arabian people, the Bedouin, you know, and it's it's you can kind of see like I've I've put in my notes here. One of the reasons that this film is so popular and, and endures for so long and the reason we're probably talking about it tonight is there is an endless fascination in the West about the Near East and desert culture. And Lawrence is all is basically the nexus between the, the Imperial West and an exotic East. You know, this, this idea of the Orient, not the Far East, but the, you know, what the old usage of the word Orient meant, you know, sort mm-hmm. of the Near East and, you know, despot and... This, or you know, or to take it a bit closer, you know, the you know Byzantine sort of um, uh, what's the word like illusion and right. and decadence and yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of that. I mean, something that I've, I I noticed watching it this time around, I think this is so this is like the third time I've seen the film was that um, the Ottomans are like the bad guys in the film, but you only. You only really get one scene with them where they're in a position of power and influence, and it's a very short scene. And but basically, they torture Lawrence, and that's that. Mm-hmm. And then he gets because they don't realize who he is, he gets released. Um, so yeah, um, what I think you'll like about it, I think you'll enjoy Pete. I think you liked Peter O'Toole in it. I think there's something very mesmerizing about his performance in this. Um, I think. You'll appreciate the score because the score is f- endlessly fascinating. I think you might enjoy some of the technical aspects of the film as well, like you know the desert rider coming into focus at the well, the fact that it's all pretty much filmed in screen. You know, you know, there's um, 
when they get to Aqaba, there's an actual... They built a little town with like 300 sets. <laughs> uh, like, obviously, they're probably just like bits of wood and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's that scene where you see it from the top of the mountain, all the Bedouin riding into Aqaba and uh, attacking the town. And they just, you know, I wonder what they were doing. <laughs> you know, they're just riding around, <laughs> you know, uh, all these horsemen. Yeah, um, I think you'll enjoy that. Um, what I don't think you liked, I'll be honest, it is a very long film. Mm. And I think you could take, you could probably take an hour out of this film and you wouldn't lose much. You might lose something or other, but, you know, there's, I can think of tons of scenes that you could get rid of and not affect the pacing of this film. I mean, I must admit, when I watched it today and when it goes for the intermission, I think the intermission's about two hours 20 or something into the film. Yeah. And it's a real midpoint because he gets back and they've decided to. Oh, have they just taken Aqaba or are they just yeah. deciding to go to Aqaba? No, he's, they've taken it, haven't they? Because Lawrence yeah. comes back and that's tells right, them that's right. that he's taken it and he plans to go on to Dera and basically protect the British right flank, doesn't he? Because they want to go mm-hmm. to Jerusalem and Damascus in the future. And yeah, and that to me felt like a really good point to end the film because mm. it's quite it's almost a natural end point of the film. If you're telling, what, what did Lawrence of Arabia do? Well... He took the desert nomads or, or desert Bedouin, went on this impossibly dangerous um, trek through a, a murderous part of desert and came out the other end and used the used the terrain against the occupying force. You know, because they never if they if they rebooted it, they would definitely do it as a two parter. Oh yeah, it'd be a TV series, you know? wouldn't it? It's that long. <laughs> I mean, yeah. one of the trivia Get a few more po- box office. I mean, one of the trivia out, points yeah. I read on IMDb was um, that it took longer for them to make this film to film it. I think it was like two hundred and seventy-three days than it did for Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> to do all of the things that he did in the period in the Middle East because it's basically from nineteen sixteen. Like, is it like the spring, summer of 1916 to like winter and then spring 1917, I think it is, essentially? I think it's about the springtime when they all, the Bedouins, uh, gather back together. In, That's fantastic. Um, when, he's like, <laughs> when he's hired all the mercenaries and things like that. So, yeah, so I think I think it's a bit too long. But, I, I mean, look, it is what it is. You knew it was going to be long, so... Maybe you're like, yeah, this is long and I'm probably not going to hold my concentration for the entire film, but, you know, the important scenes I am going to watch and I'm mm. going to enjoy. Or uh, What else do I think you liked? I think you appreciate cinema of this nature, if that makes sense to you. I think you enjoyed actually watching Lawrence of Arabia because you can now say I have seen Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> I think that's something you it's a good opportunity that our show gives us isn't it to watch yeah. films that we should have watched I don't think what else do I not think you might have liked um, I mean look it's it's very much a film of its time you know there is the actors who aren't aren't even you know you know who are white people playing <laughs> a, a, you know uh, Arab characters and that it does mm. jar and you can tell I'm not going to pretend you can't um, and so I think that might might hinder it some of the action scenes maybe aren't very good by today's modern you know standards I think it's some of those bits are a bit poor to be honest um, I think that's the only thing personally if I was to go back and modernise anything I would just have 
better action scene. Like the action scenes are good, but I mean, I would, I would just tighten them up when they they're, they're fighting the uh, the Ottomans. I think just to make them feel a bit more realistic. Like the bit mm. when they're at the wadi and uh, Sheriff Ali shoots, um, he shoots uh, Lawrence's guide. And the guy just, he's quite close up and he just falls over and it looks like he's been shot in the chest or something. And then it zooms mm-hmm. out and you just slowly see like there's blood coming out of his head. And it's like, I think you might film that a bit better, but right. yeah. Anyway, Sam, I think we should have Let's a break. Let's find out. And then, Let's find out. yeah, we should do uh, find out what you thought about Lawrence of Arabia. Super duper. Okay, see you after the break. Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. So now we're going to find out what Sam's jams. I think we're still doing that. We're on. <laughs> How have we not come up with something better? Because like your name doesn't weeks. rhyme with anything. That's. I'm really sorry. Blakely's take. Blakely's take. Blakely's take. But it doesn't. It just doesn't. <laughs> no one calls you Blake. Does anyone you know call you Blakely? Never. Other than when I was at school, there was two other boys who had the surname Blakely, so we'd call each other Blakers. Did you really? Hmm. Wow, weird that I've never I've never met another Blakely, but yet you went to since. <laughs> were you like <laughs> two of the people distantly related? Yeah, yeah. You must have been. Well, who knows? None of my family. We've done a family tree going back four hundred years. None of them have ever left, gone further than East Ardsley or Leeds. <laughs> it's like, but when I lived in London, that was the furthest that Blakely had ever lived outside of Dewsbury. <laughs> was it the same spelling, like the two E's? One of them was the same spelling. Another one wasn't. But uh, I put that down to you know bad. Record keeping. Was that at primary school or secondary school? Secondary. Secondary school. I never knew that. Very bizarre. That's bizarre. Very bizarre. That bizarre. Bit... So, in terms of the film. Yeah, sorry. Um, specific question you know to the film. Right. Well, I'm going to ask you, instead of you say, tell me, instead of what you. No, go on. Instead of doing what you liked, what you didn't I mean, I have like, made copious notes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go on, go change through. it at the last minute if you want. Go on. <laughs> what I'm interested <laughs> in is did you like this film? Like, did you, did you like. <laughs> what it kind of is about. That seems like two separate questions. Yeah, did, all right, did you like this film? Yes or... You don't have to even say yes or no. You can even tell me what you liked and what you didn't like. If <laughs> Shall you... I not? <laughs> Shall I do a <laughs> card trick? I don't I, I, I loved this film. Right, that's... I loved this film. I'm surprised at that. See, I, I was a bit worried, and I should have said in the last section, that I genuinely thought this might be a bit of like Blade Runner 2049, where you, where you can see how beautiful <laughs> well, the film is, but you might have just it, gone, I did. Meh. I did fall asleep a lot. But <laughs> right, that's, okay. But that's my fault. I, I watched it fairly late last night, and then I stopped at the intermission and picked it up again today. Um, but I've, I've not slept enough in the last few days. It was like it was like Denny Villeneuve. It's like they'd seen a Denny Villeneuve film and went, "Okay, I like the long and necessary like shots, but I reckon I could add another half an hour to each of those." <laughs> there is a lot of that, but it's. This is one of the fundamental things that I've, I've, I've sort of realised a few things doing this podcast. And the hmm. number one thing is, you have to watch a film at the cinema. Yeah, that's you just true. you just have to. Roger Deakins has Especially got a really a film good like podcast. Exactly, Roger Deakins has got a really good podcast that I found out about recently. Excuse me, and he had um, Joel Cohen on, on as a guest. Obviously, Roger Deakins has done the cinematography for a lot of Joel Cohen uh, Cohen brother films, and um, he was asking Cohen, uh, Joel Cohen about streaming you know would you would you do a film with netflix or what's good and bad about that and he said that one of the problems is 
as soon as you do that, you know that your film is going to be seen by a certain percentage of people on a small device. And Roger Deakins said, yeah, you don't want to watch Lawrence of Arabia. You don't want to make that film and have somebody watch it on a tablet or a phone or something like that. Mm. And I've got an okay setup at home. It's not a home cinema, but it's a decent-sized TV and a decent sort of sound system and all the lights are off. Uh, but even with that, it wasn't enough. And I started going to the cinema pre-lockdown. I started going to the cinema more this year than I have for a few years. And I can watch a relatively mediocre film or a film that I don't really think about afterwards, like... Queen and Slim, which was a good film. Mm. Really enjoyed myself at the cinema, but it's not a film that's going to make my top 100 films. But I had an emotional reaction to that film over and over again. Whereas watching this, not in a cinema, I had a somewhat emotional reaction, but I had an intellectual reaction to it. Yeah, You know, like, especially when you watch a film for a podcast, you feel like, yeah, I could watch this on on a phone screen, because really I'm detaching myself from it in order to criticise it. Mm. Um, and about, you know, seven hours into the film, I thought, why don't I not do that and, in- and instead try to just enjoy it? Like, you know, the best, the critics we love, like Mark Kermode, must just try to enjoy a film and then think about it later, you know, like get his sound bites later. Whereas I found myself for this podcast often coming up with sound bites while I'm watching a film. So with this one, I tried to just switch that off and I had plenty of time to try to do that. Yeah. And I did fall asleep a lot, but it's because I, mean, I was tired, and it's because did you see I the do film have in its entirety. I, d- I did, yeah. Like what, whenever I fell asleep, fall asleep, I rewound. Just to rewind it. If I drifted off at all, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I went and had a snack or something, and mm. turned I turned the big light on. You know, all these things. Whereas if I watched <laughs> it at the cinema, power move. <laughs> yeah. If I watched it at the cinema, I wouldn't fall asleep because it's my entire attention is on that film and the experience of it, mm. and you know, my phone is nowhere in sight, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And it's so epic, you know, that is the word, that is the the one and only word, like, Princess Bride is charming, Lawrence of Arabia is epic, it's epic in scale, it's epic It's epic in runtime, it's epic in, epic in the sort of vista of camels and horses, and mm. you do end up thinking, wow, the just the wrangling involved and the, you know, the people involved in something like that is incredible. It's a logistical nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> it is an absolute logistical nightmare to get everyone in the same place at the same time, choreographed so well, and they did it in, just impeccably well. Um... Like you say, the performances were, were fantastic. I do think that Peter O'Toole, like I say, it's one of those, it's like, I've not really seen many Laurence Olivier productions. Yeah, It's the proper old guard of, they were hugely successful on stage, so it translated to screen, and you get it. But you probably get a tenth of what it must have been like to see them on screen. If I, you know, if imagine if you were an actor in the 1960s and you didn't have blue eyes. You're not getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they all have these striking blue eyes. And he's, a, he's something to look at, but he's also, because you've seen him as an old man, you see that old man in the young man's face. He's only, what, like, late 20s, early 30s for this. But I see him as the 80-year-old, or, like, the 70-year-old that I saw him in uh, Bright Young Things. Yeah. And he's kind of old before his time, you know, he's got an old face, which I think most actors have to have. They convey that sort of intelligence and, and sophistication and all that sort of stuff. So I do think it's a it's a really wonderful performance. And it's a really wonderful character. We talk endlessly about Indiana Jones' active characters instead of passive characters, you know. Yeah. They sort of they sort of don't have a plan, but you just trust that they're that they're impervious. He's he's like He's like um, Captain Jack from Master and Commander mixed with Kilgore and Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now and Indiana Jones and a little bit Steve Zizou as well because one thing I found fascinating was he's this is clearly a, a legend rather than a biopic. 
Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It's like, well, I think it's genius, the intro, where you see him die, as a, you know, and he gets on his motorbike. I didn't see that coming at all. And then to, to yeah, see... Yeah, it's a strange way to open a film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and to see the little chats with think... people at the funeral who then become I, yeah. characters later. I've never seen that. And then you... And then you expect the film's going to cut back to something, yeah. but that's it. It just, just ends. Yeah, it's got it's a weird beginning and a strange end. And it? I was worried that it was going to kill some of the tension because I thought, well, he can't die then during this war. But then I also thought, well, he doesn't seem like he's going to. But you think in Apocalypse Now, you think, well, Kilgore will never die because he stood there and he doesn't give a shit about all these shells, you know, blasting yeah. at him. So I did think that was really a bold move because, like I say, it could kill the tension and the drama, but. Um, I mean, yeah. if you're an audience in '62, I mean, you, you might probably be aware know of Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, you true. Know, you might be, you know, like you said, those what? What is it like? Is it like 40 years or something between yeah. the events, the first, exactly. the film, and the production? So, and he'd only died 20, know. 25 years before this as well. So, yeah. yeah. To be fair, anybody who's at all educated would would probably know that um, as well. Yeah. So, it, so it's so him dying at the beginning and you knowing that he's do you know what I never even thought about it because the, the tension does feel quite real at yeah times, when he's shot it? or something like that or you know they're um, they're, yeah, they're that, sort of hemmed in soldier can't shoot him properly yeah and and because and, you forget like it's easy to remember that it, you forget so much when you're watching a film it's only when you look back mm. or like if there's a twist in a film you go well the foreshadowing was so obvious in that when I've when I've watched <laughs> <Yeah>. it again, <laughs> like I was totally swept up in the moment. But anyway, so you're a fabulous character, and like I say, I love that the film is more legend than truth because because he becomes this again like a Steve Zizou. You know, things happen to him which are so improbable. He can't be killed. You know, he, he's impervious yeah. to the pain of a flame and. He's, well, he's not impervious, is he? He's just he's the trick he's is so not to uh, yeah yeah and 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 you know he's like he's there with a bedou and he's and he's impressed by how how much he can not drink water and he says oh, I'll drink when you drink and all that sort of stuff you know yeah. he's, he's just a fabulous character who who you want to be a leader we've said this we've, we must have watched seventeen films that have these kind of characters whether it's Indy Jones Captain Jack Steve Zizou you know you want them as your leader because they. Because you just trust that they'll survive, and you'll survive, and you'll be fine, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, you almost... I was... You, you're very... Um, in this film, I think you're very sideswiped when these two servants who he forms a bond mm. with when they die. Yeah. Like, that's I'm deeply sad in both of us. I mean, he executes one of them, yeah. essentially. For, for a good cause, I suppose. Yeah. Turks to catch them, to catch him and torture him, but yeah. And that's it. He's a, he's a complicated character, who's mm. not perfect and you're, you're not necessarily going to survive if you're with him but each death does something to him as well it's it's the way that you know Daenerys or something should have been affected in season 8 of uh, Game of Thrones or, you know, something like that <laughs> let's not talk let's about, not talk about that Christ. Um, yeah, you know other things like it's a it's an incredibly long film with a lot of exposition but actually the film really balances between helping you to understand what's going on but not holding your hand too much so the exposition doesn't feel there's a lot of generals sat around in hot rooms expositing but it doesn't feel like exposition you you're like you're desperate for every word because you just want to know exactly what's happening and you you know it's a good balance yeah i think the only thing i think they should have done when looking back was they should have shown where um akaba was on a map and where yeah I wanted, I do want to get a sense going. of the scale of this thing I I mean I literally so I so I literally thought 
Aqaba for some reason was on like the Arabian Gulf, like on the south of Arabia. Mm. You know where like things like Yemen is now. And Oman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two countries. And I thought for some reason they were in Saudi Arabia going through like some sort of impassable desert there, but they're actually in what is today modern Israel and Jordan. So Aqaba, the, the real city of Aqaba is in Jordan. It's on right. the Red Sea. So they basically passed this bit of desert in what's now Israel, essentially. So I, they were a lot further north than I thought. Yeah, I think I and found that I didn't even try to picture it because I just couldn't. Right. And, and I thought, I'll just take the word for it that it must be a long way. And Well, it, it was because they were saying, oh, we need to supply you. And mm. it's like, well, why can't you supply them? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> the well, if we, took, if we took Aqaba, could you supply us? And it's like, yes. And it's like, but Aqaba's so... It's literally across the Sinai. Do you, mm. I mean, what difference is going by boat or by going by by desert? <laughs> stuff? I just, I mean, that could be my ignorance, not understanding logistics and things. But, but you're right. Yeah, it, so, it would, it, if it was probably again, if it was remade, they would probably do an infographic type swooping on a map or something where they are just to show you they have travelled 600 miles by camel in three days or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. that sort of thing. But it would almost. It would almost humanise it too much, or it would almost down. If you find out, oh, he's travelled a hundred miles, there's a limit to how impressive that is. Where if it's just, oh, he nearly died again and again, <laughs> without quantifying it, that's almost better, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Although there's that great scene, isn't there, where um, the journalist is talking to Prince Faisal, and he's like, ah, they are fast, but my men are faster. Yeah. <laughs> and know. Prince Faisal, Alec um, Guinness is so good as this sort of like laconical calm he owns the room all the time sort of character he's just a wonderful character the way he plays I like the it. way he says sorry we should talk about the fact that everybody speaks English I mean is that important or do we just go do you know what whatever well you could read it in one or two ways right you could read it as because you said it's like oh it's more of the legend mm. oh, true, well, yeah. if if um, if Lawrence of Arabia could speak Arabic then he'd be speaking Arabic. <laughs> so there's no point in him sat there speaking Arabic for three, four hours. Why don't you just have him speaking in English and everyone speaking English yeah. back to him? And I think that's I mean, I believe I'm, I'm fine with it. I would probably bother some people, but I, you buy into it, don't you? You just kind of go, do you know what? It's, easy, it's easier to watch a film where they're all speaking English and you don't have yeah. to explain it with a Babel fish or whatever. Yeah, I think, I mean, if they were remaking it, there would be people, he would be, it, I mean, the film would probably be in Arabic. You know? <laughs> yeah, oh. and they probably cast Arabic and Arabian actors. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to, at, least, at least Middle Eastern yeah. people. <laughs> and, and to be honest, that was like, it was one of the, uh, in quotes, criticisms of the film, but I just don't think it's a valid criticism. If it was made now, yes, it would be abhorrent to, to make it with just a bunch of white people playing Arabs. But, you know... You've got to think, it's a Western production, it's in English. They're going to cast the best English actors they can think of who could play those roles. And Anthony Quinn passes really well <laughs> as Arabic. You know, he, he does. I mean... I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to apologise for it. No. It is what it is. Because, again, if I it was done it... now and Scarlett Johansson was playing Alda, I'd be like, okay, you've probably whitewashed this a little <laughs> bit and stuff. But, no, it's just like, it's a Western production that, like... Who are they, they're going to find it really hard to find somebody who's right for the role who speaks perfect English and is a world class actor like Alec Guinness. Well, that's that that is the crux, isn't it? Yeah. You know, 
the the job of an actor is to inhabit another character, and in this case, obviously Alec Guinness does it really well. Good enough to inhabit of, <laughs> just happens to be a man who's not of his ethnicity. Yeah. I suppose you could argue. I mean, if they did it now, it'd be I, ignorant. It'd be ignorant now because there are lots of talented actors who could do that who yeah. aren't white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it would be. I think it was. It was questionable, probably at the time as well. Mm. I mean, but it's but it's in that sixties, isn't it? Wasn't yeah. didn't fucking. Um, was it Mickey, Ro- Mickey Rooney playing a Chinese uh, oh, no, neighbour of there's nothing worse than that surely there's, wasn't it John Wayne played like Genghis Khan <laughs> or something like he did, that he did yeah. He did, didn't I found out something yeah. interesting about John you Wayne. Can find that. Uh, do you know about the? Uh, I can't remember what the, what the film massive was. Massive racist. Do you, do you remember <laughs> the? Uh, Jim, you might know. You might know. This. It was it was near a nuclear testing site. Which a film? nuclear bomb. I can't remember the name of the film, but basically, something like of the two hundred members of the cast, ninety of them got cancer, uh, including John Wayne. Freaking. And up. it was it was like they were doing a testing of a, a, a atomic bomb, I think, and it was like the wind shifted and it went downwind, and a lot of people I think sued or something, but a disproportionate number of them died at seventy from cancer. It, it, it was, was just this, what, was this in New Mexico at like Los Alamos and all that? Uh, it would have been. And they were they would have filmed they would have been. Filmed Filming, or was this? I don't know. I think it was like Utah. My, it was somewhere in America where there's. I mean, Nevada. I think, and a lot of Utah. Nevada, there's a lot, Nevada. a lot of states where they've just got a lot of cordoned off areas because of all this. It was, it was on Ask Reddit. I think it was like a. Or no, I explain like I'm five. Why, why if Chernobyl can't be visited? Why, uh, where do they test nuclear arms in America? You yeah, know, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, that's quite interesting. So, but yeah, yeah. Bringing it back to Lawrence of to Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. Did you like about this film? Because you seem to have. A, Few, few likes. Yeah, I mean, I just loved, I just loved so much about it. I, what I really like as well is how, and this must be based on truth. So I almost can't credit the film with it, except how it executed it. When they finally get to Damascus, uh, which is this, hmm. you know, Shangri-La. Like we, when we get to Damascus, it's all gonna be fine. It all falls to shit, and there's just backbiting, hmm. and it's like it's not going to function as society because it's and what's really great is he's like a white knight Aryan you know blonde and blue eyed sort of guy coming in uniting them but then it forces shit because humans are humans and you can't they argue over silly yeah things. you can't just unite a bunch of disparate tribes who've killed each other for, for decades or centuries like it just doesn't work like that and the old it's the old joke isn't it you know when a new like independent force comes to power is the first thing on the political agenda is the split. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's it. I, like... think, I mean, essentially, that's. I think that's historically kind of what happened was obviously the reason like Saudi Arabia is called Saudi Arabia <laughs> isn't because Arabia, they just thought they put a fancy name in front of Arabia. <laughs> it was because a different faction, the House of Sa- Saud, they took over power essentially. Mm. From, right. Um, and I think they they were based in... Um, Riyadh, right? I think that's so. I think that's the reason Riyadh's the capital of Arabia and not um, Mecca. I think I could be wrong though. It sounds um, convincing, so I'll just go along with it. But I know that Prince it. Faisal basically got the a bad shake and a stick in the end, right? No, no pun intended. Because I, I don't think he's from the House of Saud. Right. Saud. But yeah, so yeah, yeah, that is it is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and like Lawrence is really 
depressed about it as well as yeah. he, he was he was like I've given you freedom and this is what you do with yeah. it you can't you're arguing you can't keep the lights on and yeah. he goes to the hospital and he's really upset and you could see this if you were if you were a white person in the 60s and you were of the mind that these were just a bunch of Pardon my outdated, terrible. Don't say it. W O G. If you know, if you yeah. thought of them as just being savages and uncivilized, um, then this film you'd go, oh yeah, this is great. This is supporting my views. Or if you watched it with a critical mindset, you'd also go, oh, everybody's a savage. <laughs> you know, these are just as yeah. civilized as anybody else. Do you think it suffers from a bit of the the, the white knight syndrome? You know the the white person coming in and saving the day. It does a bit. I mean, and that is blue-eyed and blonde-haired. Can't be a I mean, mistake. He's a fucking Nazi's white Exactly, yeah. And he tries to pass as an Arab by covering a lot of his face, and he's like, well, you've got white tits, mate, so you can't be an Arab. Um, <laughs> so, he basically gets nipple yeah, cramped. That is really weird, and he's him. like, he's just shuffling off with an obvious erection in his Stuff down his kecks. That guy. That's that's the that's the point. That's the implication, isn't it? That he's well, get, he's the getting implication off is that. So they don't know how true this is, but there's an there's an implication that Lawrence of Arabia himself was homosexual, right? Or at least swung that. He way. plays it ambiguously. Yeah, and that he's and the character is quite camp, isn't yeah, he? Quite frankly, yeah. um, you know. There's a bit, the bit on the train. He's practically dancing on top of that train, <laughs> isn't he? His white flowing robes. But the 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 inference was that at that time, what happened when he did get he when he did get captured by the Turks was that he was raped by them. Right. So they're doing and it in a more. P- this film is a PG. Yeah, it's, it's should it be? <laughs> well, when I tried to watch, it's really not a PG I film. I started to it? watch a little bit with it, it uh, this today with my daughter because I was like, I have to watch the rest of this film before we record. Yeah. And I turned it off when there was just a lot of death. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, <laughs> it does take a lot of yeah. parental guidance. This film, she wasn't watching it, but I thought, one, you know, I'll go watch it upstairs. I tell you what, one thing this film does fail is uh, the Beckdale test. <laughs> there is no speaking parts for There's four dead film. women. <laughs> That's about the height of female input in yeah. this film. Which doesn't which necessarily mean strange. it's a bad film. <laughs> like Shawshank yeah, has I got mean, two speaking roles for women, that's about it. Um, yeah, there's plenty of films that don't mm-hmm. unfortunately have female voices or very many actors no. in it, but it is what it is. It's a, I mean, <laughs> someone summed it up as a film where there's no women in it. There's no children. It's four <laughs> hours long, <laughs> and nobody. It's not a love story, and it's not a. Uh, well, it's, it's well, what else did they say? It's not. It's, there's no women. There's not a love story, and it's four hours long. Or <laughs> Which is accurate. Okay, yeah. it's a it's a it's a war film in the desert. Yeah, in the set in the teens. Yeah. So here's a question for you. What don't so what don't you like about this film? There's very very little. I I I was sort of intimidated by the runtime and I was made to fall asleep briefly a couple of times and I did have to watch it in two sittings. Um but I think that's way more my problem and seeing it not at a cinema. You eventually yeah. just go, well, if they could make a 10 out of 10, not that that's necessarily my rating, if they can make as good a film as they can make, and it's four hours, they might as well. Yeah. But you're right, I mean, they could cut an hour out of this, I think, without without sounding like some sort of monster philistine. There's a lot of scenes where they could cut literally a minute of a shot out. Right. You know? And take out 20 minutes of the film and it'd be 
you wouldn't out, you'd almost not even notice yeah it could be it could be yeah. something you could easily watch in one sitting um, I mean one scene I noticed that they could have just cut out entirely or just had him go oh Akub, <laughs> is when he goes walking uh, when they've when he finishes speaking to Prince Faisal and he's like been kind of insubordinate and he's he's said his piece and then he goes walking off in the desert thinking for like all night and <laughs> morning and then he goes Akaba and it's like you could have just literally had him go in the tent go attack Akaba <laughs> you know that, that's like, and it's like a good three minutes of screen time you know? yeah there's just a lot of that stuff and ultimately it probably adds something so if I was if it was showing in my local cinema I would go and watch it but I think again I feel like I'm sounding like a philistine here but there is clearly a three hour version of this that you could watch at home without even noticing a difference I think I think it's something it's a film I would definitely go see in the cinema yes if I had somebody to go watch it with and said right we're going to go to the cinema for the afternoon and we're going to go watch the showing a special showing of Lawrence of Arabia and I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. As, as long as we can, I can go to the toilet during the <laughs> yeah. And bring, I'd have to bring like proper food. A hot meal. Like, yeah. <laughs> a I think you'd have meal. to go to an, definitely go to an every man or something <laughs> like that and get, get pizza or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So is that the only thing you didn't like about it? Or was there anything I, else? I think so. I think anything else would be nitpicking. It, it really is fantastically made film. Yeah, it's a cinematic experience. Isn't yeah, it? you're right. Some of the choreography is like, you know, they're missed by a Same. mile, and and it, that's the, that's the take they use. Yeah, there's, there's a bit of swordplay that looks. A bit, a yeah, bit, I thought it looked a bit. Yeah, silly. but you just go, well, it's um, sixty years old, so I'll allow it. Yeah, I think the only like criticism that I would have maybe is they could have dived more into his psyche a bit in the film. Yeah, about, they would talk more about PTSD and such. No, yeah, especially when he says. Oh, I liked it when he um, when he shot uh, Gassim, mm. and you're like, "What? I thought that was your friend." Yeah, <laughs> you know? that was one of the it's few like, times. Like that? that was one of the few times where it didn't linger at all. They gave him a gun and he shot him. Yeah, you know, and I thought he didn't like it because he was so distraught. And, that was the beautiful yeah. reveal, wasn't it? Like, yeah, I quite enjoyed yeah. it because he's he's a complicated character and he's. Do you think he enjoyed the power? Is that that's all I was left thinking was? Do you think he enjoyed having that power of life and death? And he was such a. He was such an integral part of that little microcosm world that they had in that camp that he was, even though he was this outsider, he had such, he was so influential. Or do you think he just enjoyed the visceral killing? Is it, is it, a, he does, is it a part of him kind of casting off his trousers of his, you know, civilised Oxfordshire life? Yeah, maybe. And going native as far as, insofar as he goes native. Hmm. Just, just a thought. I was just wondering oh, yeah, if that thought makes about. sense. Yeah. So, Sam, what is your favourite scene of this film? It has to be when Lawrence is getting Alda on board, um, and he's, he's. Oh, there's a whole conversation about you're a servant because you're getting paid. Oh yeah. And he, um, it's just really good because it, there's this 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 tete a tete with two really strong characters, really charismatic characters, and you find out more about Alda's intentions and motivation motivations. And he says, "What well, is it? Something like they might give me treasures, but I am a river to my people, yeah. and they clearly love him and they cheer." I think it's great because yeah, it's, yeah. it's like Lawrence knows so much, but he's still got a lot to learn. Yeah, he's got he's got to learn about statesmanship and diplomacy mm. and, and 
what it means to be uh, not just a, 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 a soldier. Yeah. Where people will do as you say, where you've actually got to deliver the goods to your people. Yeah, people who were... <laughs> start Excuse that, me? <laughs> start that line again. <laughs> where you've got people who, yeah, they're not a mercenary for you, they're not doing it, or they're not even doing it for Queen and Country, they're doing it for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good film that as well. It explores um, the psychology of celebrity, but <laughs> celebrity in a way that it's more, you can see why people are drawn to these figures, mm. you know, like your Napoleons and your Caesars. And, you know, Lawrence has that kind of air of grandeur about him, of destiny. And what's really great is, what's so refreshing... And he is heroic, isn't he, as He well? is heroic and he's, and he's very active. And what's refreshing is that these people aren't aren't involved in a PR war of playing up their legacy. They just do stuff that's heroic and then people find out about it and that's their reputation. And I think that was that was so much more refreshing than seeing like uh, some sort of biopic about this man who's not really what he says he is, but he just he just pretended to be a, some sort of Gilderoy Lockhart. You know, he never really did those <laughs> things, but he told people he did them and and so on. And it mm. might be that the real T. Lawrence actually is more of a charlatan, and this is the hagiography legend that we're seeing. But I much prefer it, at least yeah. in the in the reality of the film that he actually did those things. Yeah, yeah, it's, he's an endlessly fascinating character. Yeah. Favourite scene, I think, do you think? Is that, uh... I mean, yeah, the, I was just going to say, the fact that he died relatively young as well yeah. just adds more to his legend. Yeah. I mean, he was 46, he was not young, but he wasn't old either. We'll so. be there before you know yeah. it. Yeah, well, he was born 100 years before me. <laughs> <laughs> Same year like, as... Oh, how um... did I be in oh, He was born a year before like... Adolf Hitler, fun fact. Fun fact for you there. Um, my favourite scene is... Well, I, I, I'm torn between two of them. I've got... Um, when he returns to Cairo and goes to the bar for some lemonade... Oh, that's great. And they're all staring at him and they're all like, what's going on? What have you done? And he's like, Akaba, I've taken <laughs> it. And he's like, he likes your lemonade. Mm-hmm. That's brilliantly written because it's like... it's It's just got subtext to it that's not there. And he's like, you know, this... Dying of thirst, young lad. They've just come in from the desert, and you know they're, they're they've had this arduous trek across the Sinai, and yeah, he's promised them you know sheets, and he gets <laughs> in the bed and all that. Yeah, and, I, and then yeah, I just love that kind of that whole scene, and then he goes and sees uh, Allenby, and then they have the talk on the in the outside, and they're all staring, and then as soon as he goes back into the um, as soon as he goes back into the bar, then they're all like, "Let me get you a drink." Yeah, and yeah. They all shake hands. All and he's there him and he's, on the back. Yeah, there's some. There's always that. It's a weird thing, and I think every kind of dominant culture or culture that's ascended to a power of as a position of power has this. Oh, they've gone native. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's very much his his experience in the desert and being ingratiated to the desert tribes, and then him coming back to his original culture so from his host culture to his original culture and him not being 100% accepted but mm. then they find he's done these you know amazing deeds yeah he's, he's not he's not backstabbed the, the landscape he's not give he's not turn his back on his home culture as he he's that's how they dismiss Just, his experience as he's yeah. gone native yeah and it's interesting because there's this this theory this whole oh he's gone native is such a powerful narrative yeah against people yeah. like throughout even throughout history like um 
you know, Mark Antony was accused. One of the reasons he ended up being in a civil war against uh, Augustus was he got accused of going native yeah, in Cairo, marrying Cleopatra. Um, and he's his heart is now in in Egypt. And so yeah, on. he's not he's not Roman anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's turned his back on his people. Uh, you know, he's t- he's become a king and he wants to be a king and he's this despot. Mm. Yeah, and that's interesting. And there's that always that fear of the other, isn't there? Um, similar with like the Mongols in China, they became, they did go native. They became like the Yuan right. dynasty in the thirteenth uh, century, and um, it didn't last that long. But it was, it was that 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 other culture had such a powerful impact on them. And yeah, he's he's finally he's gotten to. It's like when you move to a city from a small racist town, you're like, oh wow, <laughs> these people are not other. <laughs> you know, they. Yeah. I understand them. He's not. He's not some again W O G. He's a person who to whom I owe a lot of respect and so on. Get him a bed and sheets. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. he deserves to be in this room as much as you do. Yeah. My other favourite scene was when he emerges out of the desert after saving Gassim. Mm, yes, that's great. And they all sign us celebrate him. And, and he won't drink the water from other people. He only goes and takes the water from Sheriff Ali. Mm-hmm, yeah. I know it's, he's like, you know, you know, he's basically big dick moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. um, although I think the reason that's probably the other scene's better is because I, I'd read in the trivia afterwards that apparently, even though he saved this guy's life, in because I think it happened in real life. This was this one isn't like fiction. Um, they all thought he was stupid for doing it, so he wasn't that well received when he got back. I mean, they were probably pleased they saved their friend's yeah. life. But yeah, yeah. Um, that brings us neatly onto what is your favorite? Oh, there's line so many. Line? There are so many. They're very good. Aren't they? I started writing some down while I was watching it, and then I gave up after about three minutes, um, which is barely <laughs> enough to see the operatic sort of prelude. Um, there's a lot I can't I can't point it down to my favourite so I'm just going to say a couple of the ones I really like like one we've already mentioned where he's is he putting out the flame with his fingers um yeah and uh he says there's a trick William Potter ooh it damn well hurts T. Lawrence certainly it hurts what's the trick then the trick William Potter is not minding that it hurts because yeah. it's a it's a funny witty line and it's a nice little scene but you don't really know the character by then and then you realise yeah he Something that is explored endlessly in this film is that he is extraordinary. You know, he he doesn't sunburn. He doesn't need that much water. All that sort of stuff. I think that really. <laughs> I think that works really well. And um, yeah, he's he's definitely somebody who's mind of a matter. I think is very powerful. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind he of can, exemplifies it, doesn't he? He's resilient. Yeah. He's a resilient man. And I think one of the one that I really like again, there's a dozen. So these aren't necessarily the best. But he's, but he's a show off as well. He's a he? massive show off. He's, show, he's showing off. Like I love the bit when he's finished talking to the general and he just he's putting his robe back on <laughs> and you don't know how they're going to receive him inside the bar so he just kind of flops a bit yeah. of cloth over his arm yeah. and kind of cocks his head he's back a and showman, walks in. He's a, he's yeah. a dandy. He's giving them, give them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give them the crowd what they want. Uh, Go on, give me one more and then I'll do a couple and then we can do some more after that. Sounds good. Jackson Bentley says, what is it, Mr. Lo- uh, Major Lawrence, that attracts you personally to the desert? And he says, mm. it's clean. Yeah, he's sort of like it's yeah, it's, 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 it's like an Oscar Wilde type character. You know, he he has these sound mm. bites that he gives to reporters, and that's what makes it feel like legend rather than a true story. Yeah. You know, the, it, it's a wonderful line that's both transparent and opaque somehow. <laughs> my so my favorite line of the film is 
It's a funny one, actually. It's when he's... When he's talking to the general at first and they're basically going, well, it's amazing. You know, they're kind of coming to the realisation of what he's done. Mm. Oh, yeah. And he calls and he calls that Jenkins in from outside and he goes, Jenkins, what do you make of all of this? And he's like, sir, bloody marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> and just walks He's out. a proper, like, <laughs> it's like Stephen Fry was Melcher sort of, like, accent and yeah. brilliant moustache type person. It's bloody marvellous. <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. I just I don't know what it was. Good I choice. Just, yeah, yeah. It's just, and it kind of sums up what the film's about, isn't mm. it? It's bloody marvelous. You know? <laughs> it's uh, uh, the the other line I like is when he goes, when Sheriff Ali's threatening him with the gun at the well, mm. and he goes, "Have you no fear, English?" And Lawrence just says, "My fear is my concern." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I love that. That's because yeah, again, that's, that's like really, he's not saying care? that he's not scared, not afraid. He's just the trick is that it. It's not to mind that it hurts or that he's scared. Yeah. What other lines did you like then? Oh, it's, it's going to be very hard to come up with them. I, I like it whenever he's negotiating. So when he meets Alda for the first time, who says, you mm. drinking from my well, he says, well, the, I've heard of this Alda. He would not need help. Or, you know, he would, he would, he would... Let people drink yeah, from his well. Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. That sort of thing. He's great at a bit of reverse psychology and and, uh, and negotiation. Playing his pride against him. Yeah. You know. um, I like all the stuff when they're talking about, like, nothing is written. Mm-hmm, yeah. When, you know, he goes off into to try and save Gassim. He's like, nothing is written. And, mm. yeah, that's a really good line. And then, obviously, Sheriff Ali's like, those men who write their own sort of path or whatever. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've not got that one written down, I'm afraid. Um, the other one I like is um, where Sheriff Ali goes, what is your name? And Lawrence just says, my name is for my friends. None of my friends is a murderer. That's great. Yeah. yeah uh, he's, and Because he's, he's so angry. But he's, I never got why he doesn't try and kill Ali at that point. I never quite understood. The, I mean, I'm guessing he was unarmed or something. Well, because he, he tried he... to give his his weapon to the Bedou. And then the Bedou said... The Bedou? You mean the Bedouin? He calls him Bedou, I think. He's a Bedouin, so I think I think he might be a yeah. singular Bedou. Um, <laughs> where he, he tries to give yeah. him his gun, and he you says, "No, right. no. When we get to search and search, you give me your gun." But then, yeah, he's yeah. got. He goes and gets a gun. Maybe he goes to get Lawrence's gun from the camel. So therefore, that's the only gun they've got. I think that's how I read it. Anyway, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I like how he's like, "I drank from your well," and he's like, "Yes, but you are allowed." Yeah, you are not <laughs> Harry. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, he kills a man over water. It's yeah. It's very stark, isn't it? Um, right, Samo. I think we're going to have another break. And then after the break, we're going to get your rating. We're going to get the critics' views. And then we're going to have a wee quiz and then talk about what we're doing for the next podcast. Sounds like a grand and, uh, plan, Hugh. Contact Deet. Okay. Well, see you after the break. So, which would you rather do first, Sam? Would you like to do your rating first, or would you like to do the critics let's first? Get the, let's get rating. the critics. I'm fascinated to hear what let's the critics thought. This must be so, pre-Ebert. It is, it is, but um, the, the first critic I've got here is Roger. He did <laughs> Ideal. A review of it. Yep. Yeah, he did a review back in 89, and I think they did a restoration of the film. Oh, I see. In '88, Spielberg and Scorsese and others were involved, and basically two—I've not got the names to hand—but two people found 
the original negatives, I think, in the uh, archive at Columbia, and they restored, took like a year to restore. I think the it's film. the restoration that I saw. There was a there was another four K mm. option, but it was about three pounds more. And I yeah. thought, I've got you know mouths to feed, Hugh, mouths to feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if I had a big enough TV that was four K, I would like to see this in four K, yeah. yeah, just yeah. to see what difference it is. But you know, when you you know, I first saw it like probably. Uh, I'm not like you because you hadn't seen it, but I saw it on a, a tube TV. Do you know exactly, I mean? yeah. They set up grid. Yeah. So Roger Ebert said this. I've noticed that when people remember Lawrence of Arabia, they don't talk about the plot. They get a certain look in their <laughs> eye as if they are remembering the whole experience and have never quite been able to put it into words. Fantastic. I think that's a it's great. Yeah, again, such a wordsmith. He's got nail head <laughs> you know. nail meat head <laughs> yeah how many stars do you think Big Rod must have got to be hasn't it there was never going to be anything yeah. thus um, out of four that is now, listener if you've not heard us before yeah, yeah Rog gives yeah. it out of four god knows what maybe <laughs> I just wanted to be pedantic so I've got a um, a review here from 1962 fantastic it was in Variety, but sadly, it's not given the author's name of this piece. Interesting. So, you'll you'll never know who they were, but they worked for Variety in 62. Okay, so they said, Lean and Cameraman Young have brought out the loneliness and pitiless torment of the desert with an artistic use of colour and almost every frame superbly mounted. Michael Ware's music score is often overlooked, but is always contributory to the mood of the film. And yeah, so somebody back even in '62. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing that that you only think about. You know, when a film does everything right, like a referee in a football match, you don't even think about them. You don't notice them. And in this film, uh, yeah, having said that, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I can, I feel like I've been through the desert, and I get a sense of just how unrelenting the desert would be. Do you know what? Now, when they speak there of the camera work and stuff like that, if they were to remake this film, one of the big issues you'd probably have is this floating camera syndrome that you get in films nowadays, where the camera's always, you know, whooshing around and going into diff, you know, coming down at the old David Fincher going through things and stuff, you know. Yeah, I think it would. There'd be too much clever camera work. And there'd be mm. lots of lens flares, and it'd all feel Artifice. be all very exotic. Yeah, you'd need a Christopher Nolan or someone who's dedicated to practical effects, wouldn't you? Now that is something I would like to uh, see. That's it. If, if it, it just gets remade with you know, yeah, JJ Abrams or something like that, well, that's going to be some weightless <laughs> fluff. Yeah, lens flare. Yeah. <laughs> God. Rightio. So, uh, would you finally like to know what uh, Winston Churchill said about uh, T.E. Lawrence? I've been dying to hear. Uh, he says, I deem him... Hang on, I'll do the accent. <laughs> I deem him one of the greatest beings alive in our, ta- in our time. I do not see his like anywhere else. So Winston <laughs> Churchill and Lawrence. So Winston Churchill, everybody. Yeah. Long dead, but uh, never forgotten. Never forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. Good, good. Um, would you like to see my rating, or have you got some more critic stuff? No, that was uh, that was it. Good, I'm glad. So, Sam, how many sheets out of ten <laughs> would you give Lawrence a very good? Um, did you say sheets or sheiks, like shakes? Shakes. Shakes. Like iron sheets. Side (laughs) point. 
Football Ramble podcast, which we listen to often, don't seem to understand the difference between no great shakes or they're in no great shape. Just something I've noticed. (laughs) They just mix it up like a malapropism. I would give this a very strong 9 out of 10. Wow, I, I must admit, I was surprised you liked this. So much. It is just like I said, it was, it was, it was intimidating. I don't watch that many films that are over three hours, um, but I appreciate that's my fault, and it should be. I should watch it in the cinema. It's just so good. It's just so consistently great all the way through. It's a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for me. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad that you finally got on board with uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Well, hopefully, David Lean can rest easy now. Um, that that's the, that's what I've I given my opinion on this film. Yeah. So, would you like a, uh, a quiz, Sam? On... I'd bloody love a quiz, you. Let's let's see when you were falling asleep if you uh, remembered anything. We'll find out. Um, for a film that's so long, there isn't actually that many. <laughs> There's the same quiz... four place names. And... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, I, I really. I'm not going to lie. I struggled with this one. Interesting. Uh, so there's going to be a couple of questions that are going to be impossibly hard because Ooh, best, best kind, because. best kind. But this hopefully the first one will be easy. Right, question one. Uh, what year did uh, T. E. Lawrence die? 1935. It did. Yeah, there's a plaque right at the beginning of the film that has his date birth and his. Date if you were to ask Donald Trump what he died of, he'd probably say the 1917 flu. <laughs> I mean, it'd be impressive that the flu happened two years later. Topical. Yeah. Topical. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, question two. So, what is the name of the desert that they have to go through in order to get to the port they want to attack? Oh, um, it, oh I've it, got some of the. I said it'd be I've got lots of the letters. It's got an F. It's like a food in. I do. It's in that. Off. It's in that kind of area, isn't it? To so begin with an yeah. E or an A. Neither. Okay. Dip with a D. It's more. I would say it's more Egyptian sounding than Arabian sounding. Uh, sun god Ra. Yeah. How <laughs> did you know? Tutankhamun. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. No. It's the uh, Nefud desert. Nefud. Yeah. I had some of the, the letters Nefud. in my head. Um, yeah. yeah. That's a hard one, though. I, yeah. think, I think that's No, a good, a good question. I, I should have known it. I couldn't remember that. Should have known just, it. Watch, 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 shall I ask? <laughs> um, and then following that, what is the name of the port that they capture? Aqaba. It is. So I, I thought, is this a trick? So, <laughs> yeah. We've only said it 12 well, times. It, I have said it a lot, yeah. in, in fairness. But I was wondering if, if, if you know, sometimes I'm, no, you know, yeah, I might have not mentioned we like, it. We like yet. to give each other a little run up at the... Yeah, and absolutely. It, it, it is, and it is mentioned in the film. Yes, uh, to be fair. Um, at the end of the film, what uh, rank does Lawrence achieve? He becomes a major and then a colonel. Colonel? Are you sure? He's um, at different points. He's a. Does he start as a lieutenant right at the beginning? Yeah, he's a lieutenant hell. and then he becomes a, a major. major. And then is it Colonel? He becomes yeah. I'll say Colonel. I'll say Colonel. You're correct. Fantastic. Well done. You've done very well so far on this quite difficult quiz. And finally, what is the name of the newspaper that Jackson Bentley works for? Ooh. It literally flashes up 
on screen for maybe a second. <laughs> is it the name of the... He, men- uh, he does mention it. Is, and it's syndicated. <laughs> <laughs> is it still oh, a is, publication now? I've never heard of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it could be. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. So. It's, a, is it a UK, it's a UK publication. Or is it American? No, he works for an Amer- he's an American, isn't he? Is it the name of a place first? If you can get to the city, I'll give you the point. Uh, well... Oh God! Uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, New York. No, New don't Jersey. just name cities. <laughs> I'll say it's the Philadelphia Tribune. No, it's the Chicago Hellfire. It's the it's the Chicago Daily Courier. Daily Courier. Okay, yeah, yeah. Reasonably easy question, obviously. Yep. So um, I'd say you got three out of five on that one, Sam. Happy enough with that. There's a lot, lot to go up. There's, um, how many minutes? Yeah, Two hundred and uh, some lot. minutes. <laughs> Two hundred twenty-seven minutes. Yeah, it was a long film. But you know, I'm um, so happy I've seen it. Honestly, thank you, Hugh, for um, introducing me to this film. Price liked it so much because because really, I think my goal in this podcast is within five years not to die, not to die, and to become what I would consider a film buff. Really? That's my hope. And this is on your this is on your signposted journey to this, film. Before. Exactly, this is a big thing. Is this is this like you're doing your like a mar- This is like the marathon, isn't it? You know, me? I'm working towards that bachelor's degree or that. You know, I don't want to hit the wall at any point if we're doing a marathon metaphor. Yeah. No, that, that's my goal because yeah. every film buff should know about a certain. 300 films <laughs> minimum <laughs> I think Lawrence Arabia is definitely on that it's well list, in that yeah. list isn't it yeah. I think Casablanca is one of those that I need to watch that's on that list well. <clears throat> maybe well tune in next week listener because we are not going to cover Casablanca we are not no what are we doing next week sir? I was torn I was torn I had two guests like in mind Natalie and Brulia. I was <laughs> naked on the floor like Natalie and Brulia, and I was torn between yeah. two and I'm going to go with a film that's just been added to Netflix called Upgrade she what do you know about Upgrade? Bugger all. I know that I think it's some guy gets like an exoskeleton y thing put on him and he uh and he kinda has to wear it for some reason. <laughs> I know it's like an action film sort of thing, but it looks like it's got a bit of comedy in it. it looks good. So we're gonna find out about What was Upgrade. the other film? The the other film that we will cover quite soon is Clerks. Oh. Um so look forward to that because we're gonna have my brother Joe on that yep, episode. You should you should probably wait till. Um, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, what's his name? Who wrote Clark? Kevin Smith. Oh, uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah, you should probably wait till he has another heart attack. <laughs> and we'll do it. Wait till he's in the news. <laughs> that's uh, on <laughs> that macabre note. Um, tune in next week for upgrades. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I watched it for the first time this week. It's just yeah. landed on Netflix in the last week or so. Um, so just in time for you to watch it. Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and tell us about their first impressions of Upgrade, their 17th impression of Lawrence Alab- of, Arab- of Labia. Lawrence of, La- of Labia. <laughs> there must be a plot hey, parody called did Lawrence you, of Labia. Did you, there most certainly is. It looks like somebody enjoyed their... Uh, <laughs> bit of a bit of a mouthful that one, Lawrence of Arabia, so to speak. Lawrence of, La- of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to tell us about their favourite porn parodies, um, if they were to make a porn parody of Upgrade or Empire Strikes Back, or uh, whatever they want to do, what would Empire Strikes Back porn parody name be? Uh, In your own time, <laughs> Empire Strikes. 
your mum's back. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Surely it'd be like the Empire Bones back. Oh, something, something, like something really crap. Anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah. Really Email us with your... Not, f- not the classic Lawrence of a Lady. <laughs> here, is it? Or, or Shaving Ryan's exactly. Privates, is it? Jurassic you Park. <laughs> Email us your favourite porn parody titles, everybody. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Hugh, how could they do that? How could they email us those things? And <laughs> so how long is this do. metaphor going to be? Because uh, this is going to be... If it's a four-hour film, how long is this metaphor going to be? Be. Um, I mean, I could do one on porn parody. Strap you yourself like. in, ladies and gentlemen. Hugh, how are they going to email <laughs> <Get> in? Strap, <laughs> <on>. <laughs> strap yourself on. So, if you want to be in a parody porn film called Lawrence of Arabia, and you want to, <laughs> and you want to get involved and email the show, what you need to do is you need to join like a porn production company. <laughs> you need to find some willing. Um, I mean, in this day and age, you probably need to find some willing women who maybe aren't. Arabian, oh, dead. <laughs> like in this film, dead. all the women are. Yes, I mean that's a very different film, <laughs> but yeah. And then maybe use the works computer to email us at pleasewatchthis.pod@gmail.com. Oh, I'm going to move on. I from feel this like metaphor. you really you um, committed, and then you just yeah. dropped out of that. You pulled well, out at the last you know, minute, as they say. You, I mean, you spaffed about all over the necrophilia. Curtains. It got weird. <laughs> it did. Sam, if they want to get in touch with us from a different form of mm. media, how can they do that? Uh, you can. Get us on Twitter at Felching. That is at Felching. <laughs> not even a pun. <laughs> we are not at Felching. We are at Please Watch Pod. Do not Google Felching if you don't know what it is. Please do not do Google image search. Don't do a single thing to do with Felching. It's at Please right, Watch Pod. So I think I think you've said enough Felching. This is what I'm talking about with the uh, you know drinking and doing two podcasts in one night. Yeah, it's twice the you're drink. clearly off to go do some felching or something to do with labia. <laughs> right, ladies Brilliant. and gentlemen, I've been Lawrence. Hugh, you've been labia. Arabia. <laughs> yeah, I've been a we'll, yeah, I've been a landmass. We'll talk at you next week. My own tectonic plate. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have anything you want to say? To I love you so much, friend? audience. There you go. You you're my you best so friend. Uh, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.